Hi, this is Jared, and welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then take a seat with an open mind and a full cup as I examine reality through the blurry lens of my own individual perspective. Have a sip while I talk about what it means to be quarantined in the year 2020. Wherever you may be, and whenever you may be, thank you so much for tuning into this first episode of A Cup of Tea. I promise it won't disappoint. Quarantine. What is quarantine? Well, by the CDC's definition, quarantine is a separation or restriction on the movement of people who become exposed to a contagious disease to see if they become sick. Now, whether you are in my present 2020 and seeing this still in the news or are at some point in the future and reflecting on these times in your history textbooks, quarantine was very critical and a core part to what made 2020, 2020. And I say that because in the present, my now, we're, we have been facing and still are facing a global pandemic. The coronavirus pandemic more specifically caused by the disease COVID-19, which does stand for coronavirus infectious disease. The 19 representing the year 2019, which is actually when it was first originated in Wuhan, China. Coronavirus COVID-19 is a very infectious disease, way more infectious than the flu, common cold, any typical virus that humans have to contend with on a yearly basis. And this is what was one of the main components that has made COVID-19 such a concern in my time. It has the potential to have terrible side effects and cause people to get very sick and ill, go to the hospital, and potentially pass away. But what has been most concerning, above all, is the rate of spread. The effective reproductive rate of COVID-19 is, as I mentioned, higher than most diseases that we deal with in the regular. And therefore, quarantine, which is the separation and restriction of people who have become exposed to disease is very paramount in the present and very relevant. And we have seen people become very familiar in the current times with what quarantining actually means, myself included. COVID-19 has had an effect on people across the globe in many different societies. And what I want to do for this episode is not only break down exactly why quarantine has been essential to daily life in 2020, but how has it affected me personally and others? And, and then more specifically, what are the facts today? What, like, what are the patterns that we're seeing in cases of this disease and other trends that might otherwise be concerning or telling us that we're on the right track? To begin, Let me take you back to the beginning of when 
the panic really started to set in for this virus. It was back in early March sometime here in the United States is when we first started to get wind of cases rising exponentially. And at the time, it was a very sudden onset. As I remember personally, we went from basically the 1st of March being completely normal. I remember going out to restaurants and hanging out with my family and, and things of that nature to not even a week later, people were on lockdown, self-imposed lockdowns. They were hoarding groceries. Um, if any of you have lived through this time, you do remember people literally buying all of the toilet paper. And I am not joking. All of the toilet paper, good luck finding any household cleaning products. Those are gone. Non-perishable foods went next. It, it was a complete supply chain disaster. And as of August, at the time of this recording, you still cannot find most household cleaning products. It, it's ridiculous. Hand sanitizer, forget about it. But basically the world, including the United States, went into a massive panic and shock because this, this was something that we had never seen in our lifetimes. Of course, the last time the world had to deal with a global pandemic on this scale was the Spanish flu back in the early 20th century. So, and, and while many of the trends and patterns of human behavior exhibited back then are very applicable to the current state, not many people today were around back in the year 1918. So it was really hard for people to adapt to this quote unquote new normal as people called it. And quickly scientists and uh, epidemiologists around the world recognize that while COVID-19 itself does have potentially disastrous side effects on many people, not just older or people with comorbidities, the primary cause of concern was how infectious this disease was in the rate of which it spread really concerned scientists across the globe. And not to mention, coronavirus also has a really long incubation period. We're talking possibly up to two weeks before somebody could even start exhibiting symptoms. Or also people just completely not showing symptoms and being asymptomatic and being able to potentially spread the disease to other people without otherwise knowing they're sick. With all this in mind, take a second to digest it and you may quickly understand why exactly this is such a big issue in the current time. You have a highly infectious disease with a long incubation period, people possibly not even showing symptoms of having it, and that is honestly a recipe, as you can clearly see by this simple equation, of a virus that can spread and sweep through vast number of people in a very short amount of time. Now, some people might be familiar with the concept of self-quarantine if you were to get sick, like say somebody gets the flu or the common cold, and you might remember times where you know, you're locked in your room, your, your family gives you temperature checks, they bring you food, but they tell you stay in your quarter of the house or wherever you may be, because we don't want you getting other people in the house sick, you know, brothers, sisters, parents, wife, 
husband, um, you know, whoever may be living with your roommate. Now, obviously, that is to keep those other people safe and allow you time to heal. And, and you recognize that you need the self-quarantine because you're exhibiting symptoms. But if you're not exhibiting symptoms because either there's a delay in the onset of symptoms or there's no symptoms period, you're gonna carry on business as usual. And the strange thing about COVID-19 is that it's really playing with fire, seeing who's actually gonna get burnt by it. The science to this point has been inconclusive on why some people are mo more vulnerable than others. In, in fact, when COVID-19 really started to pop up in the public eye in early March here in the US, much of the messaging was centered around if you're elderly or you have pre-existing conditions, you are at high risk and you need to take the most precautions with this disease. What it quickly turned into was you should take precautions regardless of your age, your gender, any pre-existing conditions you have, you need to take precautions. And obviously that's something that was very concerning on many different levels. Not only did you have the mixed messaging, which was a huge issue from the onset, because scientists were actively conducting science on the virus to understand it better, but then you just also had a lot of unknowns while you're conducting that science. And rather than take a chance and roll the dice, the best strategy became to effectively preempt the virus by taking more precaution than was actually necessary. Mostly because we don't know exactly why some people are more vulnerable than others. And that is why quarantine became the effective strategy to preventing the spread of COVID-19. Not long after, the virus started to spread exponentially in March. What we saw across the United States and many other nations was lockdowns were being imposed. In some countries, you had martial law imposed of some sorts. In others, it was a curfew. And again, people were very unfamiliar with this, that this was very new. You had any business that was considered non-essential was closed down and basically let me paint this picture you could go to the grocery store you could go to the hospital and you can go home that for a time was basically all of your options and, and then of course if you needed to get food you could go to a restaurant but you could only get takeout and right away you could understand that the intention, while it was to keep people safe and prevent them from spreading the disease, this had a huge effect on the economy and people's livelihoods as the economy couldn't take people not working, a non-essential job, and the government failed to provide that immediate support and, and therefore catastrophe struck. And we're, we're still recovering from that initial shock today there, there's been some recovery, but not nearly enough. And it, it became abnormal. It, it, people kept telling us that this is gonna be the new normal. 
and it was just very hard to adapt. Now, what happened next with quarantine, people began to be impatient. And when people became impatient, they started to petition for things to reopen, for their non-essential activities to reopen, for them to be able to go out and do things on a normal basis. The U.S. specifically has and had failed in its coronavirus response because of not imposing the quarantine properly for long enough. Here in Arizona, which is where I live, we didn't even really have a problematic spread of coronavirus back in March and April, but we had imposed lockdowns. Those said lockdowns were lifted in the month of May, which after Memorial Day and some summer activities for people, we started to see a huge uptick in cases and became the new New York, which was the original hotspot of the disease. So basically, as you could see, it was an ineffective strategy of quarantining and it just, it didn't work. And the fact of the matter is, is you have to quarantine with a purpose. And that was the intention to begin with, but we have never really done it properly here in the United States. And we're, we're, we're trying to get it right. We're trying to listen to science, but um, it's, it's been a tough road for us here. And I think a lot of people get frustrated because they realize, well, how long do I have to be quarantined for? Is 2020 really just one massive quarantine? And to that, well, no, it doesn't have to be that way, but it, it has been that way because people haven't quarantine properly and proper quarantining strategies have not been put into place. In my personal opinion, we should have had much stricter of a lockdown and we should have made sure that that lockdown was truly and strategically preventing people from spreading this disease for long enough until a significant drop in cases was seen. We opened up way too soon in many parts of the country and it really backfired. Now, at the time of this recording, looking at John Hopkins University of Medicine Coronavirus Resource Center, which is one of the best resources for any coronavirus-related data, as of today, there are almost 21 million global cases confirmed of coronavirus and about 760,000 deaths. In the US alone, we have had 5.2 million confirmed cases with 167,000 deaths approximately. We have 4% of the world's population and a quarter of all coronavirus cases, which is a massive problem as you can understand um, because of our failed response. There were countries like Italy and in Spain, which were having massive death tolls and a massive rate of spread, but somehow managed to contain it because of more effective lockdowns and an unwillingness to reopen too soon. In fact, I'm looking at the graph right now of the confirmed cases over time. And what you see when you look at the graph for the United States is a sharp increase from nearly zero in the middle of March to about 30,000 confirmed cases. And then it actually, it started to taper off all the way until June, it started to taper off. But 
As I mentioned before, in May, we saw many states and even on the federal level, the response for this disease just started to loosen. And as I mentioned earlier as well, coronavirus has a 14-day incubation period. So any of the data that we have, really there, there's some lag there involved, whether it's five days, whether it's seven days or 14 days, depending on the person or if the person's asymptomatic period. The, the data is always going to be somewhat vague and incomplete. And that is directly why we start to see that increase in June because there was that lag and you have a major holiday like Memorial Day and then the cases just skyrocketed through 4th of July. By mid-July, we were at 70,000 confirmed cases. And since then, it's, it's started to taper off again as we've started to reimpose restrictions on dining in and gyms and, and things of that nature. But it, it has to make you wonder if we were really just dragging this out for no reason by not imposing stricter lockdowns in the beginning and instead letting the virus kind of creep back into society. As I mentioned, COVID-19 is a highly infectious disease and how you measure the infectivity of a disease is by a value called r naught, which is denoted by an R with a little T underneath it. And if the r naught is above one, the virus will spread quickly. However, when the r naught is below one, it will stop spreading. For example, in my state, Arizona, as I mentioned, we imposed a lockdown, we lifted said lockdown, cases skyrocketed, and then we started to impose new restrictions. Luckily, since those restrictions were imposed, Arizona has seen a decline in cases and also has seen an r naught of 0.8, which is below one and explains why we're seeing the decline in case numbers. However, you can't really give up the fight against COVID-19 too soon because if you get fooled by the data and realize, okay, we're on a downward trajectory, we could start loosening restrictions too soon because of the lag with the 14-day incubation period, potentially what you might see is a quick rebound in case numbers. Luckily, to this point, however, we haven't seen that because the restrictions haven't been lifted yet. And thank goodness, because in all honesty, we need, and I mean, we need to take care of this problem. When countries in the world, such as New Zealand, for instance, has taken care of this problem, it makes you wonder why countries such as the United States with the science and the data that we have have not been able to handle this effectively. It, it's essentially a tale of two virus responses. So there you have it. Quarantine has been essential in the year 2020 because we're fighting a global pandemic and a highly infectious disease. Now, I've talked a little bit about the case numbers and I've talked a little about bit about the restrictions that have been imposed. There, there are some controversies about loosening said restrictions, but I also want to talk about how a lot of people have responded to this pandemic, including myself. A lot of people have, as I mentioned before, done the practice of self-quarantining, which is effectively taking you out of potential exposure to other people with the virus 
and taking out potentially exposing yourself to the virus, which is exceptionally important. On a personal note, since the news broke of this virus in early March, I have virtually ceased all non-essential activities. I had a haircut scheduled. I obviously canceled that. I haven't seen my friends in five plus months now. It's It's been difficult seeing family and getting food and, and things like that because you really, you have the cloud of COVID-19 really weighing over your mind. And it, it's always in the back of my mind now. I feel like I can't really live as comfortably as I used to. I mean, before, you know, you could go out to eat at a restaurant and, and not worry about is the menu you're touching infected somehow or are people in the room coughing and the air and the circulation possibly providing an avenue for the virus to infect you. It, it's been a very tumultuous time that we've lived in and definitely not easy economically and not easy in terms of keeping yourself safe. But it's also not always about keeping just yourself safe. Sometimes, and in some cases, you have to think about other people as well. I, for one, have a wife and I have a daughter who is less than a year old. And all of the attention to this virus has been at the forefront of my mind and my wife's mind, keeping our daughter safe. What, what do we do to prevent her from potentially getting this virus because she's so young and she hasn't really had a developed immune system yet? And it's, it's really affected a lot of our firsts. I mean, we wanted to take more trips and go places and be able to really get her to experience what it's like to be in public and interact with other babies and, and things of that nature. But obviously that has been stifled because of the current climate and the situation that we're in. I also know that my mom frequently takes care of my grandfather and my grandfather relies on her. This pandemic has certainly complicated that situation. While my mom still goes over there to take care of things, she keeps her distance, she disinfects, she makes sure that he doesn't go anywhere because um, he is a very high risk individual. And it, it's just, it's, this year has really had a lot of negative consequences be because of this virus and a lot of negative side effects that people didn't necessarily sign up for. But it's also because collectively as a species, especially here in the United States, we we all weren't on the same page. We, we all didn't view this as much of a threat as we should have. And what bothers me is that the impact of all this could have easily been avoided had we all followed the instructions that were given to us by science and by fact. And it's, it's truly disappointing to think that in August of the year 2020, we are still quarantining. And when this first all came out in the headline news, a lot of people said, you know, we'll, we'll probably have to quarantine for a couple weeks in early March, may, maybe going into April, and we should be fine. Obviously, that wasn't the case because 
the the spread really didn't stop at that point but we kind of just gave up we kind of just put up the white flag and we're like you know what like me being in my sense of normal is more important than someone else's health and it's it's very it's a very selfish way to look at it because had we all cooperated at the beginning we we could have had this eradicated potentially by now we we could have closed our borders as a country we could have eradicated the virus here and we could be like new zealand which by defying all standards along with south korea has nearly completely eradicated the virus and can measure their case numbers in on basically one hand it's it's truly ridiculous when you compare how one country is handled pandemic versus another but i will say is that through all this nobody will ever forget what it means to be quarantined ever again i know for one that i never really took quarantining seriously before this virus happened this pandemic i i kind of just took it for granted as something that you do when you're feeling sick you quarantine yourself but I feel like in this climate, in this situation, quarantining has taken on a much deeper meaning. It, it's it's almost now a representation of the length that you'll go for for society in the middle of a global pandemic to save other people, to almost be a hero yourself. We can't all be frontline essential workers. We can't all be grocery store clerks, nurses, doctors, garbage truck drivers. We, we can't all be on the front line, but we can do our part. And I think that's the important message here is that you shouldn't have to quarantine for just yourself. You should also feel an obligation to quarantine for your peers because not everyone can protect themselves. Case in point, essential workers. And quarantining has been the ultimate mark of respect and having respect for other people people all across the globe have altered their lives so that we can have some chance at stopping the spread of COVID-19 I know I for one had to postpone my honeymoon with my wife who we we're newly married coming up on our first wedding anniversary in this fall and we had to postpone our honeymoon because we didn't see it fit in the plans. Not only did we want a more genuine, authentic, normal, quote unquote, experience, but we didn't want to take any chance of exposing our daughter or exposing other people or just at all contributing to the spread by participating in non-essential activities. Some people draw the line at different places, depending on what they're comfortable with. But I think the most important thing is, is having empathy for others. And this, as I've mentioned, this is really shown on a global scale who really cares about other people. And it's, it's truly appreciated. Just wearing a mask, as simple as it is wearing a mask, is a sign of respect to say, when I can't distance from you, I am still going to wear this piece of cloth on my face so I don't take a chance of spreading a potentially lethally infected disease to you. And it all comes full circle because if you look back at the history textbooks on the Spanish flu back from 1918, what do you see? Is that people 
wearing masks? Well, yes, it is. It is people wearing masks. And nothing's changed since then. But obviously, because people haven't lived through both times, or at least not many, it's, it's very hard for some people to comprehend. And I know for one that coming out of quarantine, when that light at the end of the tunnel finally gets here, I will never take my freedoms for granted again. Because I know they, they can be taken away by a situation like this where, where the collective does not have enough concern or the right response and inadvertently affects you. I, I think we really have to be wary of the complexity of our world. Not only the complexity of things like the global economy, global trade, the circulation of currency, but I mean, just something as simple as a virus that started in Wuhan, China, most likely in a wet market. And to think of the domino effect and the cause and effect that led us here, it's remarkable and not in a great way, but it, it, it is remarkable to think that such a small isolated event has derailed people's plans, hopes and ambitions for 2020. It's, it's something that makes me never want to take for granted having that freedom back and, 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 and having plans go your way. But what this response on an individual and personal level does show, more so than empathy, is just adaptability and flexibility. People being able to adjust and pivot to the situation at hand because it, it not only benefits this current situation by stopping the spread of the disease, but by also finding ways to mitigate it for themselves. And even me on a personal level, it being cooped up in your house is not easy. Being self-quarantined is not easy. I'm not saying that it should be easy for anybody, but you can definitely make the most of it. And I feel like I've done that especially by working from home and getting to spend more time with my family, I have seen the positives in it. And I can definitely appreciate others who see the positives in it as well. And let me conclude this talk with one thing. I know that at some point we are gonna rebuild society and that we are going to get our freedoms back and we're not going to have to necessarily distance or wear masks, but it will be an interesting transition to see. It, it will be an interesting transition to see us go back to what we consider to be normal, but is no longer normal, at least in the current state of times. I was talking to my wife earlier and it, it almost feels like today is normal in, in the weirdest way possible. It, it doesn't feel like it's abnormal. It, like this feels like it's routine. You know, I wake up, I work at my desk here in my house and we stay inside. We, we maybe go and do some essential activities or, or distance from people on taking a walk, wearing a mask in the stores. It just, it feels normal. And as much of a culture shock as it was to being told to wear a mask to protect others into distance and to stay on self-quarantine, it's gonna be just as interesting to come out of it and to 
accept people with open arms and to trust others and to have faith in the system because faith in the system has been eroded not only on an economic level but a health level a social level and and we're going to have to rebuild all those different pillars to get society back to where it once was it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination but i believe as a society we can get it done and it's just going to take some of the main ingredients that have allowed us to flatten the curve and slow the spread just having faith in each other trust in science and following the right protocols whether they're self-imposed or imposed by governments local state federal whatever government you may have in your country and realizing it is for the greater good in that this is all temporary and the more we can work together the quicker we can come out of this just remember we can get our jobs back we can get our homes back but we can never get our loved ones back if we ever lost them Thanks for listening about how quarantine has affected society in the year 2020. Check out the description of this episode for the resources I referenced on this topic. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please subscribe for the latest freshly brewed content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.